Hi, and welcome to the Part 3 with me podcast. The show that helps Part 3 architecture students jumpstart into their careers as qualified architects. I am your host, Maria Scudari. And this week, we will be talking about easements, covenants and rights. A basic knowledge of easements and rights is essential, particularly in relation to site investigation. There are a number of easements and rights relating to sites, but the most likely to affect a development are rights of light, rights of way, and party wall rights, and all are common law rights and enforceable by law. Let's start by defining what easements actually are. So easements can be defined as a right or privilege which one owner of land enjoys over the land of another. Now, the most common conditions for an easement to be identified are um, separated into four key points. First one is that there must be a dominant and a servient tenement. This means a right benefiting a piece of land, the dominant, that is enjoyed over the land owned by someone else, the servient. The second uh, most common condition is the dominant and servient owners must be different people. Uh, the third one is that the easement must accommodate the dominant tenement, not the servient. And the fourth one is that the right must lie in grant, which means it can be identified and capable of being transferred by a deed. So this means basically if you own a piece of land yourself, for example, and that piece of land has an easement on it, then if you go and sell that piece of land, the easement stays with the land and not the owner. Now, uh, an easement differs from a license in that a license allows action to be taken under a certain set of conditions and can be withdrawn if there is a breach of these conditions or by agreement of the parties. So an easement exists on the land as I mentioned, and not on the individual, and it passes from one owner to another. Now, there can be positive and negative easements, although there is no consequence in the distinction. So a positive easement is one which enables the dominant owner, the one that owns the land, to act upon the servient tenement, which means this might be a tenant that lives on that land. So This positive easement can be uh, a walk or a drive along a right-of-way and the negative easement allows the dominant owner to prevent the servient owner from doing something on his land, for example, a right-of-light which restricts the servient owner's ability to build. Now, if we look at covenants, a covenant is a promise made by a single party to either engage or refrain from conduct and is contained in deed to land. The land may be subject to a covenant that affects or limits its use. The covenant may give a landowner some say over what is permitted on a neighbouring property. That's a benefit of a covenant. Whereas an easement provides a right for using a property of another without possessing it, but it can only be used on the land for that specific right. It does not give the right of possession to the holder of the easement. So a covenant binds future title holders of a property or a land to that covenant, whereas an easement is the right to anything related to the property 
or prevent someone else from doing something with the property of another. So the covenant is with the title holders, the easement is with the land. So easements can also be called as a person's interest in another one's land for some specific purpose. A covenant just concerns the appropriate use of the land, whereas easements can be obtained through long usage. When easements inflict a certain property right, a covenant calls for benefit and burden. For example, in real estate, easements offer an interest to the land or the property, and covenants are contractual obligations which are not binding upon future owners. Now, uh, when it comes to restrictive covenants, these can be a blinding obligation that restricts an owner of servient land, the burdened land, in his use and enjoyment of that land. The covenant must be made for the benefit of the dominant land belonging to the covenantee, being the person who may enforce the covenant. Typical examples of covenants can be uh, not to build above a given height or in a given place, or covenants restricting the user of the land to a given purpose, for example, no trade or business. Although in some extents, these can be superseded by uh, planning controls, and restrictive covenants can still have a valuable role to play, especially in preserving the character of the housing estate and other uh, developments. So a covenant doesn't necessarily sometimes need to be looked at as the bad guy in essence, um, but more of something to retain a specific character or specific element of the site, which planning sometimes does anyway. A restrictive covenant can be made between the governantor, which is the person making the promise whose land is burdened, and the governantee, which is the person who can enforce the promise for the benefit of the governantee's land. So these parties can impose the burden of the covenant to run with the governantor's land to bind not just him, but his successors with the title. So all subsequent owners of the burdened land can be prevented from carrying out a prohibited use. A restrictive covenant can be seen as an equitable interest in the land and it requires registration as a land charge in unregistered land unless the covenant is contained in a lease. If the burdened land is registered, a restricted covenant is protected by registering a notice usually an agreed notice, against the servient land with the, with the register of title. So these matters are usually dealt with by a solicitor and at the time the covenant was first created. If a restrictive covenant complies with specific requirements and is probably protected by registration, it, it will bind the governantor and its successors in the title. So the usual remedy for infringement of a restrictive covenant is an injunction to restrain further breaches, but the court may give damages either in addition to or in lieu of an injunction. Now the rules on passing the benefit of restrictive covenants is that a successor in ownership to the land benefited will be able to enforce the covenant against the person now owning the land burdened. Therefore, the restrictive covenants affect both burdened and benefited land long after they were first created. 
When contacted by your clients, architects should make sure that the client has the relevant information, that there are no restrictive covenants that apply to the site they have purchased that could affect the proposed design and the use of that site and that there are no issues with construction in general. So the architect must definitely proceed with caution because, for example, a simple covenant not to carry any trade or business on the land may affect catastrophically a development depending on what the client wishes to do with that site. Now, something to be wary of is if a client does purchase a land with a restrictive covenant and we go against that covenant and we are aware of this, we could potentially be sued as we are jointly liable with the client for conspiring against the restrictive covenant. Now, circling back to easements, there are four ways in which these can be obtained. So by uh, an act of parliament, which is the public rights. Uh, Second is by express reservation or grant. So these are easements that relate to the land and are transferable with the land, meaning expressed by grant is one that has been written down, usually in a deed made at the time of the sale of the property. The third way is by implied reservation or grant. This is rarely used and can be really difficult to enforce. And implied reservation or grant means the easement is implied by law and not specified in a deed. This usually arises when a landowner sells a property or land. And the fourth one is by prescription. So, for example, for uninterrupted use over a period of time, which is determined by common law. This is covered by the Prescription Act 1832, which introduced the period of 20 years uninterrupted use. It's probably the most common use that architects come across in site investigations. And this information can be contained within the land registry documents. But a prescribed right may have been established since the last change of ownership. Party walls can be considered easements, which are governed by the Party Wall Act 1996. Now, looking more closely to uh, some easement examples, these are typically considered the right of way that you usually hear, or right of light, right of support, the right to draw water, right for underground services to path beneath the land of a neighbouring property, and so on. Now, there are four ways in which an owner can prevent the acquisition of rights by someone else. This can be of great importance to your client if the acquisition of the right could significantly reduce the value of the land. The typical instances that this can happen is by uh, someone creating a permanent obstruction on the land or by creating a temporary obstruction, but it happens annually on that piece of land, or by purchasing the dominant land you wish to acquire a right on, or by granting a conditional license, for example, permission, but not a right. So there's no obligation on the servient land owner to maintain rights of way, but equally, they may not erect obstructions to an established right of way. Now, rights can be extinguished in any of one four ways. First one is by an act of parliament. 
Second one is by the express or implied release of the right by the dominant party, by purchasing the land by the Serbian owner or vice versa, or bringing both areas of land into one ownership, or by default, for example, a significant change of use by the dominant land. Rights of way can be either public or private. You can change the route of a right of way that affects your land, but you have to make sure that the entry and exit points remain in the same location and the diverted path is not a completely different, unreasonable path. Now, there can be disputes over diversions and these can be determined within the court but may also be, in the case of public right-of-way, they can be determined by the planning authority. Right-of-way can be closed for maintenance, but you have to provide um, notice in advance, given that the action that you wish to undertake is not unreasonable. Uh, the other most common right that we as architects tend to come across is a right of light. Now, this can be established by size, location and the height of windows that overlook an adjacent property or site. This right allows the owner to use the light received through that window for established purposes, but it does not give that owner the right to a view. Right of light can also be acquired by greenhouse, solar panels and so on. The prescription to a right of light can be prevented by the erection of an obstruction, for example, if someone builds a house right where your right of light is. Under the Rights of Light Act 1959, it has to be lodged with the local authority and the land registry. Moving on to the last right that we typically as architects tend to come across is way leaves. This is a temporary agreement and unlike easements, is typically used by utility companies to gain a right of way under, across or over land for traffic of goods, pipelines or overhead cables. This right is usually granted to public utilities from um, local authorities and they have to pay rent or charges to the relevant authority. This is obviously the most common uh, right that we come across as architects as our sites always have utilities running underneath them. Now I hope that was um, a useful breakdown of easements and covenants. If you would like to get in contact with me, please feel free to email me on the address provided in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening. This is an educational show aimed at supporting the future generation of architects. The information, opinions and recommendations presented in this podcast are for general information only and any reliance on the information provided in this podcast is done at your own risk. Please join me next week for some more part three with me time.